ever wonder what the next world will be like? I mean heaven. But those of you who have listened to me for some time, I don't believe I go somewhere up into space. I believe that God comes down to earth and we uh, enjoy uh, a new world with God. Maybe as I'm getting near my departure date, like, I'm thinking about it more. I'm not, I'm not morbid about this, it's just, it's just you do, don't you? If, you? if you're thinking, well, we're going on an, a tour or a, we're going to have a lovely holiday some months ahead, you don't get excited now. You couldn't keep up the excitement. So when you get close to the time, you go, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And so maybe this is why I'm uh, thinking about this more. Can we get ourselves ready? If you're young, you're thinking, oh, well, I've got plenty of time. I'm worrying about that yet. I understand that. Can we get ourselves ready for heaven? If you were going to um, attend an interview for a job, you would be very wise to find out something about the company, wouldn't you, before you went there? Maybe look them up on the internet, find what their ethos was, find what their, their goals, their aims, find out who works there. So when you go for the interview, you have some idea of what it is. You're not blind or ignorant, you've prepared yourself. Is there things that we can do to prepare ourselves to live for Jesus every day? forever and ever and ever. We know something about heaven, don't we? We know there's no sin there. We know that we will have left death behind us. Death doesn't come uh, into the new world. Um, we're told there'll be no more tears. Well, no more tears of sadness or grief, but maybe tears of joy. Um, that doesn't tell us what to expect. It tells us what's not there. So what can we expect? Scripture says this. It says the old order of things is going to pass away. The order of things in the world today will be no more. And Jesus, who will be the king of the whole world, will replace it with a new order a new way of doing things. He constantly came and preached on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And if we listen to what he's saying, he's saying the next world will look like this. All of the times he explained what the kingdom of God was, he was saying, I would love to see this now in the world, but the reality is we can't quite get it now. We will see the fulfillment of what I'm talking about in the next world. I sort of grew up with this idea. I, I, think, I think the verse was wrong. I believed it for a long time. Uh, this verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Perhaps you know it. It says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind can perceive what God has prepared for those he lo who love him. So, my thought was, oh well, I won't even bother then. 
If I can't think about it or imagine it or, or we can't even conceive what it is, why even bother going there? I think that's a misquote related to the world to come. If I read this verse in its completion, because that's only half the verse, there's a bit more to the whole sentence. It says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. He actually wasn't talking primarily about the world to come. That verse is not about that. It was about salvation. God had a plan of saving men and women. And it said that what what God had planned, it never even entered into the mind of God for one second because it was so strange, it was so impossible to think that God himself would come in human form and allow himself to hang on a cross and die. That thought, that idea, never, ever, ever once, ever entered into the mind of any man. It's so out there. It's so strange. But the Holy Spirit has come to each one of us and is visiting thousands of people every day and bringing this concept, this idea, into their mind. We would never have thought of it. But the Holy Spirit says, He reveals this to us by His Spirit. Now, having said that, I believe also that the Holy Spirit is well able to give us an insight of what heaven is going to be like. If you want one, if you desire it, if you look for it within the scriptures, I'm getting more and more interested. Just in case I've got to uh, change something or be more prepared or uh, if I've got a good few years left, I'll work on that. So I'm more ready when I meet him. I want to turn your attention to John's letter, his first letter. Uh, John's, yeah, I call it letter. Epistle seems such an old word. Mind you, some of us are old people. So um, it sounds all right to us. I try not to use these old words because often people don't know. What's he talking about? Epistle? What's he talking about? Okay, so a letter. It's an epistle. He wrote it. If, if you read what Paul writes, Paul is like uh, a lawyer. He, he's very clinical, he's very thoughtful, he sets his thoughts out very clearly as a lawyer would. It's, it's full of life and love and uh, he's earnest and sincere, but it comes across like that. I find that very helpful as an engineer sort of person. I like things a little bit ordered and, and thought, so I enjoy that. John, on the other hand, he's not a lawyer, he's a lover. There's poetry, there's passion in the things that he said. They both contain fantastic truth, of course, but John comes across with passion. So when, when Paul starts his letters, he introduces it gently, 
carefully sets the scene. John here, writing these letters, jumps in full of passion. It's like an explosion. He's got to share something that's on his heart that is so precious and so exciting. He bursts into this. Let me read the first four verses then of this letter to you. That, he says, that which was from the beginning. This is how he starts his letter, not I'm going to talk to you about X, Y, Z. He said, he said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. This is the name he's given to Jesus. The word of life. He says, we saw him. We heard him. We handled him, as it were. We touched him. We've looked upon him. God himself came to earth. He says, it goes on to say, the life appeared. We have seen it. And we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We are proclaiming to you this Christ who was with the Father in heaven but has now appeared to us in bodily form on the earth we proclaim to you what we have seen and we have heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ we write this to make our or your joy complete imagine that Imagine living at the time of Christ. You're just going through life, a good religious person, worshipping your God, a God whose name you are very careful not to even mention his name. You hold him with such revered respect. And all of a sudden, this person appears on the scene who is God himself. Oh, it's scary, isn't it? It's like, no wonder they didn't believe. No wonder it was so much for the Jews to just comprehend such a thing. This God, the God of the universe, stepped into their lives. They could look at him and touch him and eat food with him. And remember, it was John who laid his head on his breast, as it were. It's like, oh, this was God. This was God. What is he saying? Verse 2. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and appeared to us. God, the eternal life, the life, the other life, the life of heaven. It came from heaven and it appeared to us. Until the coming of Christ, the Jews were expecting a new age. 
they thought there was this present age which was evil and horrible and full of nasty things, but one day the Messiah would come and then there would be the new age. That's what all Jews believed. But until the coming of Jesus, no one knew what this new age was. What heaven really looked like, what the presence of God really, really was, what living with him could be like. But Jesus stepped from the future into the present to reveal to all mankind what the future would be like. The world that we are going to will look like Jesus. Have you got a good image of Jesus? With all our sermons and all our Bible studies and all the singing that we do and all the testimonies, is your image, your picture of Jesus getting bigger and bigger and more real and more defined? Because it should. This, what we do, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? We come here because of Jesus. We sing these songs because of Jesus. We worship. We listen. Because we get a, a clearer image of Jesus, which is an image of the world to come. I want to share with you just one aspect of this world to come. This beautiful world that we will one day live in. We can see it, but we can't fully have it yet. That's a frustration to me. Sometimes I read the Word of God and I want it, but I can't have it yet. I can have some of it, or I can press on into something because I'm not going to get the full thing. I'm not going to get it, the complete thing, until Jesus comes and the new world is in place. But it doesn't stop us from seeing what it is and embracing it and pressing forward into it. In verse 3, that which I read to you, John says, let me tell you what I have seen and heard in Jesus. He says this at verse 3, I have seen the fellowship the Father has with his Son, and they want us to enjoy that same fellowship with them and with each other. As John looked at the life of Jesus, he saw that Jesus, the Son of God, had a fellowship with his Father that was second to none. It was perfect. He walked only saying the things that he heard his father say. He did the things that he only saw his father doing. He knew 
the heart and mind of his father was in so much that he never had to pray and ask God what to do. He knew because of their deep intimate fellowship. This is how Paul describes the relationship that this man who was with them had a relationship with God. He said it's like a, a father and a son. An intimate relationship. And he says, we have been drawn into this. The fellowship we can enjoy with the father and the son. We've been drawn into this. But also, when we understand what that fellowship is, God says, I want you to have that fellowship one with the other. The same fellowship that the father had with the son, we are to have with one another. That's a glimpse of heaven. We strive towards it now when we are there, which I think is here, we will enjoy it. What is this fellowship that they enjoyed? God enjoyed perfect fellowship with himself. Say, <laughs> that's crazy. And you have perfect fellowship with yourself. It's easy if you're three persons. God is three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I relate to all three of them. I talk to all three of them. I consider each of them different. Now, it's not easy to, to understand or, or grapple with the Trinity, but I make it very simple for me. I see three persons. I'm conscious of the Holy Spirit's presence in my life to help me and strengthen me and give me understanding and clarity and we might talk together. I'm very conscious of Jesus, the Son of God, who is my brother and my saviour and my king and I'm subject to him. I'm also very conscious of the Father who is above all things and it's him I worship. And it is through the Son and the activity of the Spirit, I have a relationship with the Father. For me, I separate it out. But God is three in one. There is such fellowship amongst them, it's almost as though they are inseparable people. I separate them for my benefit but together they form one. Three persons who have a special fellowship. It's impossible to separate them. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are in an eternal relationship and always participating in acts of self-giving towards one another. None of them are vying for position. The father, he says, I hand all authority over to you, my son. You have all authority. Jesus says, you might blaspheme against me, he says, 
But don't you dare blaspheme against the Holy Spirit as though he were protecting the Spirit, elevating the Spirit, as it were. Each of them in this fantastic unity, submitting, self-giving to each other. We see them at every important event in Scripture, whether it's the creation or the coming of Jesus or the death of Jesus. As you read those passages of Scripture, you hear of the working of the Spirit and the Father and the Son all working together in unity, knowing their part, knowing their function together. This is the indispensable quality of heaven. When we're with him, we will be one with him, with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit. You might feel quite separate from them now. You shouldn't. We now have a foretaste of unity with the Godhead. Jesus said, come, sit here with me on my throne. That's unity, isn't it, with Jesus? One with him. One with the Spirit and with the Father. An indispensable quality of heaven the full life of joy, generosity, and peace that flows amongst them is extended to us, that we enjoy these things. There's a passage in Scripture before man was created that describes to us God in heaven with his Son creating the world and the great joy it gave them and how once the three of them with the spirit there had created this world they created man to bring him into that unique fellowship that's why we were made in the image of God so we could enter into genuine fellowship with God let me read it to you it's found in Proverbs 8 22 to 31 this is Jesus speaking but in Proverbs he said the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old I was appointed he says from eternity from the beginning before the world began when there were no oceans I was given birth when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. We are not born of God. We are created by God. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, but we have been adopted into his family. Before he made the earth, he goes on to say, or the fields, or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizons on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above the, and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. 
when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his commands and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Listen to this. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day. The pleasure, the joy that the three enjoyed working together, creating this planet, this world. It gave them such pleasure, such, such joy in fellowship and relationship. He says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world. And then he says, and delighting in mankind. The pinnacle of God's creation was you. You. You were the pinnacle of God's creation. Of all that he created. Of all that they enjoyed making together. The thing they enjoyed more than anything else. Was the creation of you. And he created you then. He drew you and made you and brought you in. To this wonderful fellowship. Adam, God realised he had no one to fellowship with apart from the Father. Yes? So he said, let's bring all the animals and parade them in front of you. And let's see if you can have any fellowship with any of these. You name them. And so he named them all. And he goes, they're all very nice. Dogs and horses and cats and everything. Wonderful. He said, I can't have fellowship with them because we're not the same. Then he makes for him a woman who is bone of his bone, so she stood like he did, tall on two feet, and flesh of my flesh. She was made of the same stuff as him. You understand? The animals had different flesh to us. So he could never have fellowship with the animals. But he could have fellowship with this one that was like him. When God made man, he made him in his image. For the very reason he wanted fellowship and he created him to have fellowship. Adam and Eve didn't want to share in this fellowship with God though, did they? Isn't it sad? They said, we don't want this fellowship that you've created. We've experienced it, you coming and we walk with you and talk with you. We even see you. They might have even seen God in bodily form. We don't know. But they said, we don't want this fellowship. We want an independence. Although they rejected God, God did not reject them. From that moment forward, he devised a plan by which he could regain fellowship with his creation again. Of course, that plan took thousands of years to work itself out. But we know he sent his son 
to take the blame for what they did. To bury the shame of what they did to God. And he sent the Spirit to bring us back into fellowship with God. We have fellowship with God now, but it's only a foretaste. It doesn't compare with the fellowship we will enjoy when we get to heaven. You not, might not be able to take your eyes off Jesus for about 3,000 years. Do you get that? It's like, I can't believe it. I'm standing in his presence. See, that's what John said. He said, we saw him. We heard him. We even handled him. And remember what they said of Jesus? No man speaks like this man. No man acts like this man. Can you imagine meeting Jesus? I mean, it must have been so exciting for those that were seeking the desire of meeting the Messiah and then God revealed it to them. This is the God of the whole world. (coughs) We pray, don't we? Lord, teach us how to pray, please. And he said, pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's he saying? He's saying you don't have to wait till you get to heaven or the next world or the life to come, whichever way you want it. You don't have to wait till then. If you pray and seek me, I can cause heaven to come down into your life to come down into your experience, to come down and meet you where you are. Father, this fellowship I see that you have with your son, you have made this possible, that I too can enter into this same fellowship. Lord, will you... Help me to walk forward into that. Would you look so graciously and mercifully upon me that I can enter into such fellowship that you have enjoyed and you are enjoying with your son? I don't want to have to wait till I get to heaven. I want it now. Like a child, I want more. I want it now. God says... If you're passionate about that, of course, I can reveal more to you. I can draw you into it. And Lord, not only the fellowship that you had with your son, I enter into. Lord, that same fellowship, I want that fellowship so I can have it with my brothers and sisters. So that I'm not suspicious about them. Or I don't find reasons to dislike them. Or play all these silly tunes in my head. I want this fellowship. One with another. John says, that's how we know we're born again. There's 
There's no proof that you're born again apart from one thing, that you love your brothers and sisters. In fact, John's very emphatic about it. He says, if you don't love your brothers and sisters, then you can't know God. You see this fellowship we can enjoy together? That's why we call this a fellowship, isn't it? It's a very, a very churchy word, fellowship, isn't it? I mean, if a couple of guys there would go down the pub after work on a Friday night, we don't say they're having fellowship, do we? We don't say that, you know. The only place you can have a fellowship meal is in church. The only place you can be part of a fellowship group is in church. This word fellowship is a very churchy word. It just is. It's a precious word. It's so wonderful. And we can experience that fellowship as a foretaste of heaven. John, again, but in the Gospels this time, do you remember the prayer that he prayed for us? Do you remember it? Let me remind you of the prayer. He prays first for the apostles that are in the room. There's 11 of them because Judas has gone by now. So he prays for them. And then he goes on to say, I pray also for those who will believe in me through this message. The 11 in the room had seen him, you see, eye to eye. They had been in his presence. It was so special to them. But he says, there are many coming after that won't have the privilege of seeing me face to face. But they can come into this relationship simply because of the proclamation of the gospel. The invitation can come to bring them into a relationship with me. I pray also that those who might believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That's the fellowship that God is looking in our lives that will develop for one another. I think I've worked out, as a Christian, wandering around on this planet for a number of years now, for me to enjoy fellowship with you in the same way that the Father enjoyed fellowship with the Son is dependent upon the fellowship I have with the Father and the Son. To the degree I have fellowship with the Father and the Son I have fellowship with you. If my relationship, my fellowship with the Father and the Son is flaky, it'll be flaky with you. The more I intensify, the more I'd, I'm allowed to draw myself into this relationship of the Father and the Son, I find I love you more. You don't have to be nicer for me to love you more. 
I have to press into God and enjoy that relationship and it will make this one so much more wonderful. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to manifest to us the kingdom of God. It would have been lovely if we saw him, but we don't live then, we live now. But the message brings us into that same place. And Father, help us to develop this relationship with you, this fellowship with you, in a much deeper way. And as a result of that, it will deepen with each other. Lord, your word says if we do that, the world will look at us and know because of the love we have for one another that we are in relationship with you. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.